Hey, what is going on, Mets fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and in this episode, we're talking Mets, Nats, and the Mets trade deadline. All right, and welcome back to the Mets Talk Podcast. Like I just said, I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and I can't wait to get back into talking about the New York Mets. So welcome back to another series recap and review episode. Yesterday, the Mets finished off a series win against the Washington Nationals in D.C., It was a nice series win. You know, the middle game, as has been the case throughout most of the season, was a little disappointing, but Jacob DeGrom made his return, so I'm really excited to get into that. As well as on Tuesday in that middle game, it was the Mets trade deadline. The Mets made some moves. Maybe the Mets didn't make all the moves that they they possibly could have, so we're going to get into all of that in this episode. In the first half, as usual, I'm going to break down each game looking at the pitching and hitting performances, and then in the second half, I want to dive into the Mets trade deadline moves what they did do, what they maybe didn't do, and just get into all of that. So I'm really excited, so let's get into it. Starting with Game 1 against the Nationals, the Mets won this one 7-3. On the mound for the Mets was Max Scherzer facing his former team. He had a really nice outing. He went 6 and two-thirds innings, gave up 6 hits, 3 runs, only 2 of them earned, 2 walks, 5 strikeouts. Maybe not as dominant as we've seen Scherzer, you know, 6 hits, 2 walks, only 5 strikeouts. But, you know, doing what he needed to do, got himself a quality start, got himself a win, had a really nice outing, was able to work around trouble when there was trouble, and just overall did a really nice job as the professional and veteran pitcher that he is. Behind Scherzer, Joely Rodriguez pitched. He pitched an inning, gave up no hits or runs. He walked a batter, had no strikeouts, but did a nice job, you know. Uh, as I'm going to get into in the second half, the Mets did not make any moves for a, a left-handed reliever, which is something that, you know, I thought that, you know, the Mets probably should have done, but they didn't, and we'll obviously get into that, but, you know, it's going to really be on Rodriguez to to pick it up here if that's the, if he's now the, the sole lefty, really, in this bullpen. You know, he came in in the in the, the seventh inning, got a fly out, and then in the eighth inning, walked Soto, which you know, honestly don't really hold that much against him because that is really what Soto does. He draws walks and then was able to get uh, two line outs to take it to two outs in that inning before the final pitcher of the night came in for the Mets, Adam Adovino. He came in for one and a third innings, had a really nice outing. He gave up no hits, runs, or walks and had one strikeout. Really nice job by him and a really nice job as a whole from this pitching staff in this game. And behind them, the offense had a really nice game as well. They they totaled 13 hits in this game, 7 runs. Everyone in the starting lineup had a hit outside of J.D. Davis and Eduardo Escobar. Brennan Nimmo went 4 for 5, which was huge. Francisco Lindor went 1 for 5. He drove in 3 runs with a 3-run shot. Pete Alonso went 2 for 3. He drove in a run with a homer. And Starling Marte... Jeff McNeil and Tomas Nito all drove in runs, and I also want to mention Mark Hanna and Jeff McNeil each had two hits. The scoring started for the Mets in the second inning. They did a really nice job rallying with two outs. They had runners on. They had two runners on, but two outs. Jeff McNeil hit a single to score a run. Tomas Nito hit a single to score a run. And then two batters later, Marte singled, scoring McNeil. Nito was thrown out at home. I I like the aggressiveness, but it was just a really nice job by this team, you know, rallying with two outs. They had 
four two-out hits after Escobar flied out and were able to score all their runs. I mean, that's exactly what the Mets were doing in the, the beginning part of the year. And it's, you know, if they can get back to that type of offensive rallying, that's exactly what the Mets need. In the third inning, Pete Alonso followed up that, that really nice rally with a solo home run putting the Mets up 4-1, to one, and after the Nationals got themselves back in it in the fourth inning, in the sixth inning, after a Nimmo double and then Marte getting hit by a pitch from Ciszek, who was the pitcher who hit Lindor in the face, it brought Lindor up to the plate, and after an inside pitch that, you know, he described later as, you know, being pretty scared up against this pitcher who had hit him in the head, he crushed a homer to left center field, driving home three runs making the score of 7-3 to three at that point. And, you know, like I said, the bullpen held that score. Mets ended up winning. You know, just a really nice job by the offense, rallying when they needed to, hitting home runs when they needed to. And, you know, Lindor, who has been really hot recently, doing a really nice job there in this game, especially in a situation that, you know, the human element of, you know, being a little nervous with a guy who just hit your teammate and has hit you in the head before. So an awesome job by the Mets in game one. Turning to game two, did not really have the same level of success. The Mets dropped this game 5-1, to one, but on the mound, the, the main positive from this game was Jacob DeGrom made his return, and he looked great. He pitched five innings, gave up three hits, one run, no walks, six strikeouts. I mean, he looked outstanding on the mound. He looked like Jacob DeGrom. He was hitting 102. He was throwing his nasty slider, you know, six strikeouts in those five innings. He was clearly on a pitch count as the Mets took him out after that fifth inning, but, you know, ultimately he had a really nice day. Just had that the the one inning in the fourth inning where he gave up a couple of hits that drove in a run, but, you know, overall had an outstanding, outstanding performance in his debut. And, you know, he said after the game he feels good. He feels like he can make his next start, you know, on Sunday against the, the Braves. So, you know, a really positive takeaway from this game despite the fact that the Mets lost behind DeGrom though the the pitching did not really help him out the bullpen did not really help him out uh, after he departed Steven Nagosa came in he pitched an inning he gave up two hits three runs no walks one strikeout and he gave up two home runs Uh, they came back to back in that sixth inning where he came in he hit a batter with a pitch and then right after gave up a homer to Luis Garcia and then Yadiel Hernandez hit one right after that putting the the Nats up 4-1 to at that point, which was a little frustrating because, as I'm going to get into with the offense, they were not doing very much. And then after Nagosic left in the sixth inning, Yoan Lopez came in in the seventh, and he didn't look his, his best either. He pitched an inning, gave up two hits, one run, no walks, two strikeouts, and that one run came on a home run, a solo shot from Joey Menaces, who was making his MLB debut. So a little frustrating, I guess, uh, letting you know, letting the rookie get the homer off of you. But I mean, at that point, the Mets were down four to one, and as I'm going to get into, like I've been saying, the offense was not doing very much. But Tommy Hunter came in in the ninth inning. He pitched an inning, gave up a hit, no runs, one walk, two strikeouts, had some trouble, but was able to get out of it. So you know, nice job by him, who I've talked about. Uh, you know, he's he's been a really nice add and uh, done a really nice job in this bullpen. So, you know, just a really nice job by him to, you know, make sure that even though guys got on on him to limit damage and not allow any runs to come home. But now turning to the offense, as I've been mentioning, not much happened. I mean, it wasn't even an issue of, of runners in scoring position with this 
this game, which, you know, they went 0-3 with runners in scoring position. It was the fact that they didn't really have guys in scoring position. You know, three runners there, that's not great. They left seven guys on, but, you know, compared to the game before, 13 hits. This game, the Mets only had six hits. Their only run came in the sixth inning, a solo shot from Lindor, so back-to-back days with the home run, so you like seeing that. The other player I want to shout out in this lineup would be Tyler Naquin, who had a two-hit game. But other than those two guys, really everyone else there, you know, Marte, McNeil, and Guillaume all had hits. But, you know, the rest of the offense was really struggling and and just didn't have a great game. It I, I made a tweet. I said, the Mets are giving DeGrom the DeGrom treatment. And, you know, that's a joke around the league of, oh, when your offense isn't showing up for your pitcher, which is what the Mets have historically done for DeGrom. You know, you call it the DeGrom treatment, but this was with DeGrom and making his debut, and it looked like the Mets went right back to the 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 norm with him on the mound. So a disappointing game, but, you know, overall positive, I would say, having DeGrom back out there and having him pitch a really nice game. And then turning to Game 3, the Mets won this game 9-5. to On the mound for the Mets was Chris Bassett. He pitched seven innings, gave up six hits, no runs, one walk, four strikeouts. He had an outstanding game. I mean, he had runners on, but he did a great job limiting damage and working super efficiently. I mean, he was pitching in the seven inning with only 80 pitches and you know he was navigating guys getting on on him you know six hits one walk so there were base runners but he did a great job getting out of jams he induced three different double plays and you know doing exactly what you need him to do exactly the the kind of determination and not letting you know guys getting on get to you and I, I like the efficiency even though you know, Bassett is sort of a, a slower pitcher in terms of how long he takes. I mean, he was was working and keeping his pitch count low. So a great game from Chris Bassett. Behind him, Trevor May came in in the eighth inning, making his return to the mound for the first time in about three months or so. So, you know, it was great to see him back out there. He pitched an inning, gave up a hit, no runs, no walks, one strikeout. He gave up a hit to the first batter he faced and then really locked it in after that. Did a nice job getting a flyout, then a strikeout, then a flyout. So, I mean, if May can come back and pitch to the the level we know he can, this bullpen is going to have received a huge boost by having him back in there. And it was nice to see him have a, a successful first outing back on the mound. Following Trevor May was the Mets' newest acquisition and addition to their bullpen, Michael Givens, who the Mets traded for at the deadline from the Chicago Cubs, and he did not have a very good debut for the Mets. He pitched two-thirds of an inning, gave up five hits, five runs, no walks, no strikeouts. Uh, I mean, he just really, I'm hoping it was just new team nerves. He really... Just had a tough, tough inning in a game that was 9-0. I mean, if you're going to have a tough inning, I guess that's the game to have it um, during. But, I mean, he got a ground out in his first batter, but then a homer, a fly out. So he got two outs. Okay, he gave up a homer, 9-1, to then gave up another home run, and then... Three singles later, another run had scored. It was suddenly 9-3, to which, again, still the Mets were ahead by a decent amount. But, you know, for him to have gotten those two outs, all he needed was to get one more out, and then, you know, gave up four straight hits, and two of them resulted in run scoring. It was not ideal. 
After Givens, uh, Buck Showalter had to take him out because he was just struggling out there. He put in Seth Lugo, who came in for a third of an inning. He gave up a hit, which ended up scoring two of Givens' runs. And then Lugo gave up no runs, walks, or strikeouts. He was able to get a fly out to end the game after it suddenly had become a four-run game when it was 9 nothing heading into the ninth inning, you know, Four of those runs all scoring with two outs, which, you know, was definitely frustrating. And I'm going to get more into Michael Givens in the second half. No, not an ideal debut. But like I said, if you were going to have nerves, if you were going to have a tough game with a new team, I guess this is a game, a 9-0 game for you to do that in. So turning to the offense, the offense had a great day. They tallied 14 hits. Everyone in the starting lineup had a hit outside of Mark Canna. So it was just a really nice day for the Mets. Brandon Nimmo went three for four. Pete Alonso went one for four, and he drove in two runs. He he hit a home run. Daniel Vogelback went two for five, and he crushed a grand slam for his first Met home run and RBI. And Jeff McNeil went three for five, which was really nice to see. Those are, you know, those are all the top guys. Starling Marte, Luis Guillorme, and Tomas Nito also all drove in runs. So just a really nice team effort in this game the scoring started in the third inning when after a double play Lindor walked and Alonzo I mean Gary Cohen called it a poke but he like flicked the ball to dead center field don't know how he got that out there he is just so strong put the Mets up early to nothing and then in the fifth inning as the bases were loaded because the Nationals intentionally walked Alonzo to get the Vogelback Vogelback crushed a home run to right field a a grand slam for the Mets parked it into the bullpen, and, I mean, it was super exciting. Vogelback, he, he's a guy who, you know, has power and just hasn't, you know, hit for power yet. He's done a really nice job overall. This isn't, you know, not a knock for him, but you the Mets haven't seen his power yet, and it was really nice to see it here, especially with crushing a grand slam. And the Mets added on in the sixth inning after a Guillaume triple, Tomas Nito doubled, and then two batters later, a Marte fielder's choice scored a run. And then in the ninth inning, a ground out scored McNeil, which put the Mets up 9-0. As I mentioned, you know, this game got a lot closer than it it was looking like it was going to. But just a a really nice job all around by this team. Like I said, in this game, only one batter didn't have a hit, and that was Mark Hanna. And in game one, there were only two guys in the starting lineup who didn't have a hit. So it's nice to have two games there where basically everyone in the starting lineup had a hit and was contributing. That's the kind of team this Mets team is. Everyone contributes. And, you know, it was nice to see that on full display in this series. So now that I've gone over these three games from the National Series, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I get back, I want to dive into the Mets trade deadline moves what they did do, what they maybe didn't do, and just go over it all. All right, and welcome back. So now that I've gone over the series against the Nationals, I want to dive into the Mets trade deadline moves because the deadline happened in the middle of that series and the Mets made a number of moves, but you know, there were there were definitely some some very mixed reactions about how the Mets went about the deadline and what they ultimately did at the deadline. So I want to just first go over the the moves that the Mets made. They added at the deadline first baseman slash DH Daniel Vogelback, 
Catcher Michael Perez, who I didn't mention last time, but that happened around the time the Mets traded for Vogelback. He was acquired for cash and sent to AAA right away as a depth move. They also acquired outfielder Tyler Naquin and left-handed pitcher Philip Deal. And then at the deadline, the moves that happened most recently, trading for first baseman and DH Darren Ruff and right-hand pitcher, relief pitcher Michael Givens. So I've already talked about the Vogelback, Naquin, and Deal moves in more detail in my past two episodes, so definitely check those out for more extensive breakdowns, because right now I want to dive into the moves for Darren Ruff and Michael Givens, the moves that the Mets made at the deadline, and the ones that I, I really want to dive into in this episode. So first, I want to dive into Darren Ruff, and you know, this was definitely a surprising move to me that had Twitter going pretty crazy. The Mets acquired Ruff for J.D. Davis and minor league pitchers Thomas Apucky, Nick Zwack, and Carson Seymour. So looking at Ruff's stats this year, he's batting 216, 327, 373 for a 701 OPS. And, you know, that is not a very good stat line right there. You know, 701 OPS, you know, 700 OPS is like average. So, I mean, he's not exactly you know, lighting the world up at the plate looking at that stat line, but you have to dive deeper to really see Ruff's value and to see the reason why the Mets made the move for him. Because against lefty pitching, he's hitting 252, 364, 523 for an 886 OPS with nine homers and 24 runs batted in, all against lefties, you know, once you see those stats, it's clear why the Mets made the move. Because the Mets have acquired Vogelback and Naquin, you know, to a to a lesser extent, but you know, Vogelback's your guy to crush righties, and his numbers against righties are great. And so far for the Mets, you know, when he's been playing against righties, he's done a really solid job. And now you're adding a guy who crushes lefties to to platoon with him. And, you know, frankly, I think the reason why Twitter freaked out a little bit was on the surface, it seems like a really large return for Ruff. I mean, four players to acquire Ruff, who, again, his stats, you know, on the surface do not look great. You know, a 701 OPS. But you also have to consider what was given up. Davis was one of the Mets platoon DHs, and he was supposed to be the guy to crush lefties, but he had just a 660 OPS against them compared to Ruff's 886 OPS. And, you know, I'm happy for Davis. He's going closer to his home. He's from Sacramento, going to San Francisco now. So I wish him the best. I love Davis on the team. You know, I made a tweet about it. He was a team player, even through all the struggles and trade rumors that he dealt with for years and years. I, I feel like he was all always a, a guy fighting for this team and you know I do want to just say that that I do wish Davis the best and hope that you know San Francisco treats him well after Davis Thomas Apucky was the AAA pitcher that the Mets gave up in this deal and he was very solid in AAA with a 3-3-8 ERA but in the majors though he struggled in his only start ironically against the Giants in San Francisco he gave up six runs in just three and two-thirds innings pitch in that game gave up two homers and three walks he did not look great at the major league level and I'm sure the Mets were thinking if this is a guy that you know we're unsure of his ability to perform at the majors you know we should give him up here and then Zwack and Seymour are both single A guys who likely wouldn't have made an impact on the Mets for years to come. So to me, this package isn't as bad when you look at it that way. You know, Davis, you're kind of exchanging him for a guy who's taking his spot, does it at a, a much better level than than Davis does, you know, hits lefties better than Davis. Zapucky's probably the kind of like the price of 
doing business, the, a triple-A pitcher who has potential. And then the two single-A guys, you know, I, I'm not going to freak too much out about two guys who the Mets probably wouldn't have even seen for another two, three years or so. So, you know, that's that's how I look at the return. My thoughts on the the deal as a whole, I understand the thought that it's an overpay. And, you know, originally I thought it kind of was because, you know, Darren Ruff, outside of the times the Mets see him, you know, twice a year, Darren Ruff, I, I really only remember his days with the Phillies and he wasn't exactly the biggest bat with the Phillies. He obviously has power and can drive the ball out of the park. But, you know, my perception of him wasn't you know, he wasn't the biggest name in my mind, but once I kind of dove into rough stats, once I kind of saw what the Mets are looking to do with rough as a platoon DH, I thought, okay, maybe this isn't as much of an overpay and I can kind of back off a little bit. You know, uh, Locked On Mets on Twitter made a really nice comparison. Dom Smith versus right-handed pitchers has a 560 OPS. <laughs> That's, you know, n- you know, not very good at all. And Daniel Vogelback versus right-handed pitching has a 906 OPS and a 524 slugging. He almost has a higher slugging percentage than Dom Smith had an entire OPS against righties. So already right there, I mean, a massive, massive upgrade. And J.D. Davis versus left-handed pitching, 660 OPS and Darren Ruff, 886. I mean, like I said, just the it's a world of difference. And that position, that DH hole has been a black hole for the Mets outside of the times really when the Mets had Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor slotted in there. So, you know, exchanging Dom Smith for Vogelback and JD Davis for Darren Ruff, I mean, it's it's clear that they've made an upgrade at that position. And You know, I'm more a fan of that trade now than I was when I first saw it, you know, coming on my Twitter feed because of how much of an improvement that position has just received. And then the other move the Mets made was trading for Michael Givens from the Cubs. The Mets sent over a minor league pitcher, Sal Gonzalez, for Michael Givens and you know, as I said in the first half, we, we kind of got a taste of Michael Givens. wasn't the best taste, but before yesterday's blow-up game, Givens had a 2.66 ERA through 40 and two-thirds innings pitch with the Cubs. He had a 1.254 whip and an 11.3 strikeout through nine rate. Obviously, yesterday kind of ballooned those stats, moving his ERA up to 3.70, but I mean, he's had a really nice year for the Cubs, and that's why I, I'm not, you know, going to judge his performance completely on that that game yesterday you know Givens was definitely not the guy that I had my eye on even the guy I had my eye on from the Cubs but I knew he was a very solid veteran pitcher and adding him definitely helps out this bullpen because he has really solid splits against both righties and lefties again before yesterday he had a 307 ERA against lefties and a 242 ERA versus righties Both of those numbers are great. Both of those numbers are really solid. And, you know, as a veteran pitcher, he's able to get guys out on both sides of the plate. So you love seeing that. Even though he is a right-handed pitcher, he's able to navigate both lefties and righties at the plate. And, I mean, I'm not going to... Obviously, yesterday, like I said, and I've said this now multiple times in this episode, that that was rough. But I, I believe that this move was made because he is a solid guy. He's worked with Buck Showalter when he was with the Orioles. And I think he can be a really nice addition to this bullpen. Overall, looking at the deadline, you know, as a whole, I think the the general consensus was that this was overall a disappointing deadline because the Mets didn't really make any moves for, you know, the big names, make any, you know, sexy trades, sort of like what they did last year when they added Javi Baez, a big, exciting name. 
And, you know, they also seemingly did little in terms of the amount of moves they made. You know, the the actual number of moves. Especially at the deadline, they really only made two moves. You know, not counting the moves that had been made the week before. And I think it doesn't help that the Braves and the Phillies both made a bunch of moves at the deadline. And especially the Phillies snagging relief pitcher, closer, David Robertson, who was someone the Mets had their eye on. I think that definitely, you know, adds to the panic that surrounds this this deadline. But overall, I really did like the moves the Mets made. As I just said, I think the Vogelback and Ruff combination is a massive upgrade from Smith and Davis. I think looking at the stats, the Mets' new DH players have definitely been more productive, and I think that can only add to this lineup and only benefit a position that really has had zero production all year. So, you know, even if they're minimally better, they're going to be an improvement in that spot. And in terms of bullpen, I do like the move for Givens. And, you know, as I've been saying, hopefully yesterday was just a fluke. But I do think that it would have been an ideal move for the Mets to add a lefty. Uh, According to reports, they were working down to the wire trying to get a deal for a lefty done, but couldn't get anything done. And, you know, it just seemed like something that they really should have made a move for. It seemed like something that would have, you know, had they added Givens and a lefty and rough, I think no one would have complained. But I think the fact that the Mets failed to add a lefty is why people are, you know, so frustrated. And I'm definitely, you know, was definitely disappointed that the Mets didn't make an addition there because, you know, with the struggles of Rodriguez the past couple months, it it seems like that's just something that you would like a little more insurance for. But you also have to consider the returns of Jacob deGrom and Trevor May as sort of pseudo-deadline ads because they both came back, you know, on the day of the deadline slash the day after the deadline. DeGrom obviously bolsters the rotation and May helps in the pen. So you have to, to consider that you have some additions there as well but you know it would have been nice to get a lefty in the bullpen another lefty uh you know Andrew Chafin was sort of the name that I was hoping for as the deadline approached and it didn't work out but you know in the end I'd give this deadline something like a b minus or a b because I do think needs were addressed and I do think this team improved even without you know that that big name deal that that blockbuster deal but I do think a little bit more could have been done I think Like I said, if one more reliever had been picked up, that might have, you know, kind of swayed the needle in terms of this deadline. But I do think the moves that the Mets made were beneficial to the team and and we'll certainly see, obviously, as time goes on. But that's probably where I would stand on this deadline. Now, coming up, the Mets have a huge series against the Atlanta Braves and huge in terms of, you know, importance in the division, but also huge in terms of it's a five-game series. It's a long series. So starting off that series tonight, it'll be Carlos Carrasco going up against Kyle Wright, who is 13-4 with a 2.93 ERA. Then tomorrow night on Friday, it'll be Taiwan Walker going up against Ian Anderson, who is 9-6 with a 4.99 ERA. On Saturday, the Mets have a doubleheader there has not been any uh there haven't been any pitchers set for either of these games but it'll 
it'll be Max Scherzer and David Peterson pitching up against Max Freed and Jake Odorizzi, who the, the Braves just acquired from the Houston Astros. And then on Sunday, on the mound for the Mets, it will be Jacob DeGrom in his second start going up against Spencer Strider, who is 6-3 with a 2.79 ERA. As we talked about with the last series against the Braves, this is definitely a big, important series. Obviously, the Braves are right behind the Mets. They're playing outstanding baseball. They're a great team, and they've just made some nice additions at the deadline. You know, Rysel Iglesias added to their bullpen. Um, Jake Odorizzi, who I just mentioned, to their rotation. They added Robbie Grossman, who who's an outfielder who can hit. So, you know, they made some additions. They're definitely a good team. They're coming for the Mets, and this is going to be a big series. Mets can't, you know, let the the sort of narratives surrounding this series get in their head. I think, you know, looking back to last year and and you know, seeing those big games and big series that cropped up in August and September and where the Mets really failed was when it kind of seemed like they were letting that that stress and those narratives get in their heads. So hopefully the Mets are able to, you know, barrel down, you know, a five game series. You got to look to hopefully take three out of five here. It's definitely a long series, a bunch of games, and, you know, it's going to be a hard fought, but really exciting set against the Braves. So that is going to be all for this episode, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I love interacting with other Mets and baseball fans. And you can reach me at my Twitter, at PodMets. Tweet me your thoughts about the Mets, about baseball. I love talking about the sport. So I'd love to hear from you all on Twitter, at PodMets. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. And as always, let's go Mets.